Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. And welcome to another edition of Positive Talk Radio. And we've got a great one for you today. A very talented man who is going to talk to us about what he does to help people live their life and get the career that they want and live their lives a little bit happier. And he does that through something that he calls mentorship. And his name is Doug Lawrence, and he is sitting right over there. How you doing there, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming. It's, it's uh, you know, these shows are not worth a darn unless I get great guests. And uh, so having somebody that that can really have an imprint on people's lives makes makes the show really a lot of fun to do and it makes it real positive for people that uh that need to need to get some of this stuff um so that they understand what they can do so tell us about uh, the company that you have which is called talent c uh making you successful at what matters i love the, i love the subtitle of that yeah so talent c i've started that in 2009 and it it was the, the the start of me realizing what this thing we call mentoring is what is was all about um and, and what it sort of what had happened was that i was job coaching university college students and the relationship I had with them morphed itself into a mentoring relationship, but I didn't really know that that's what it was that I was actually doing. And so I did some market research and stuff and I found that, oh my goodness, there's a place for obviously the providing training to mentors, but there was also a place for the certification of mentors. And so to make a really super long story short, I ended up, I partnered with an organization in the United States to um, create a certification for mentors. And we started that in 2009, 2010, and it progressed along for a number of years before um, the mentoring community said, you know, we appreciate all that you've done, but what we want is we want to be certified, not so much from the, the the education or the knowledge part of being a mentor, but we want to be certified as a competent mentor, you know, and so what can you do? And so the company in the US, they weren't prepared at that particular time point to go down that road. But I found a, a, a colleague in Calgary, Alberta, who was actually that was his area of expertise was the ISO standards uh, certification based on, on ISO standards and all that. So he and I embarked on a journey and fast forward to today, that's one of the things that we offer through a, a joint company. But to come back and directly answer your question, the, <laughs> it took me a while to kind of come around the horn. Oh, that's there, all right. This is, this is good information. So, was the aspect of my own company, Talent C People Services Incorporated, is very much focused on all things mentoring. So um, implementing mentoring programs in a workforce, uh, one-on-one mentoring, leadership mentoring, uh, the, this 
I'm the director of practice and outreach for the sub company, I guess we'll call it, uh, that that I formed with my business partner in Calgary. So when we talk about being a mentor, what exactly is a mentor? So I'll give you the, the sort of the, the definition. So a mentor is someone who is involved in the mentoring process, obviously, and mentoring is a two-way trusted relationship where both the mentor and the mentee are going to learn and grow, learn and grow personally and professionally uh, through obviously through mentorship development. And that's kind of, you know, what it is. So a mentor would be somebody who obviously embraces the mentoring process and concepts, but is somebody that is, in my case, it's a commitment to helping others be the best they can be on a personal and professional level. Now, how is that different from like being um, an executive coach or or something like that? Is there a distinct difference between the two? You know, that's a good question because I get asked it a lot, and uh, it's I I see mentoring as more relationship based. So, like I'm I'm mentoring people today that I've been working with them for probably six, seven years, and you'd probably think, well, gee, you'd think you'd have been able to help them with whatever. But, but but where it comes for me is it's the relationship. And they know that they can pick the phone up at any given time and call me and, and I'll just listen. I'll let them talk their way through stuff. Where I see executive coaching or even just coaching is it's very much it's, it's, it's very performance driven. So it, it's right. It, it's, there's an issue that we need to deal with or we're going to go and here's the process we're going to follow. Where if, if that was me coming in as the mentor, I would sit down and sort of say, okay, let's have a conversation initially. And then after that, I want the mentee to be sort of driving the bus. I want them to take ownership of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And I'm just going to guide you. I'm going to steer you in the right direction. And, and that's where, when, you know, somebody says, well, what do you need to, for skills? What do you need to have for skills to be a great mentor? Well, the, one of the biggest things is listening and hearing and effective communication. Listening is a forgotten art, at least in, in the world that I've been in. Um, a lot of people don't listen. They are preparing rather than listening. They're preparing for what they're going to say based upon what they think they heard rather than listening to what they, the other person actually said. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's kind of interesting and very strange, I guess, in some way, but I'm, I'm involved in a meeting tomorrow and there's, they're bringing someone in to do a presentation on listening. And here we are, we're talking about it. And you had to go through this two-page questionnaire, a listening self-inventory. And it's how, you know, how you, how you perceive yourself responding or not responding to various conversations and stuff like that. And so I'm going, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, I, I probably shouldn't be circling them all the same, but... That's the, the real the reality of what it is for me because of the, the teaching that I will 
go through with some of the people that want to become effective mentors. Some of these are points that we actually talk about quite quite often. And so it sort of made sense after I thought about it was that, yeah, circling all, all the answer A and Bs kind of makes sense because that's the, the, the market I'm working in. So being a mentor, it's a much deeper relationship with the mentoree than a coach um, and uh, type information because you're working with these people for literally years. And I'm probably going into spots where the coach may not want to go. And one of those is the mental health space that that I'm I'm now I've devoted a lot of time and, and effort into being able to work with people who are dealing with mental health challenges. I think we all get to deal with that from one time or another. How do you identify it somewhat? And does it take uh, a long time and a degree and all of that to be able to, to understand and to work with it? You know, the, the first part is identifying when it is something we need to have a conversation about it. What I've found is that if I voluntarily talk about some of the things I'm dealing with, like my, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress or dealing with uh, grief, and I openly share, and that's probably some of the things that I talk about very early in our mentoring relationship is, is those very same things. And that's not something that's easy for everybody to do. And so like I've had it where I'm working with a young entrepreneur that within 10 minutes of our conversation, um, they uh, let me know that they'd been diagnosed with three or four different mental health uh, illnesses. And that was without me kind of poking and prodding. And, and all I actually did was I just shared my own story. So you've been down the road and you've got the experience of going down the road of, of mental health and with PTSD and, and some of the other ones, bipolar would be another one that comes to mind or, or some of the, can, those are our major things that are, that are, that we are dealing with as a culture, aren't they? They are. And, and, and I think, you know, for the benefit of your listeners thinking that here's this rogue Mountie or a mentor running around trying to heal the world. And that's definitely not the case is that there are, are definite, uh, from my perspective, anyhow, and what we teach people that want to go down this path is that you need to know where the line in the sand is and you don't cross over into a space where it would normally be dealt with by a counselor, social worker, psychologist, or psychiatrist. That my job is to listen and hear when, you know, when you're comfortable wanting to talk about what it is you're experiencing. My job is to listen and hear and to make sure that you are, you know, are you availing yourself of all the professional help that you you could, you know, could get your hands on? And then are you comfortable having me sort of standing beside you, so to speak, as your support structure? That's got to be a very comforting thing for someone to have someone that we take into our inside, if you will, because we've all got this little gate that we that, that we surround ourselves with, and we don't let people in, generally speaking, um, and even even family and friends, uh, we don't necessarily treat that like 
a relationship that you can let them in, you open up the gate and let them in and close the gate and then, and then you can have a real conversation. Uh, so that, that, how do you get someone to let you into the gate as it were? A large part of that is, is it's building a trusting relationship and it's all focused on trust, but it's also making sure that they understand and, and living up to those expectations myself is that um, what we talk about is confidential. So I don't go, you know, I don't go and say, you know, I had a meeting yesterday with Kevin and this is what Kevin said. And, you know, oh my gosh, the poor guy, you know, I feel really bad and all that stuff. That just doesn't happen. Which is, which is a matter of trust. And you have to be able to trust somebody if you're going if you're going to talk about things that you might not have told anybody in the world, and but it's affecting you in a in a profound way. You really need that trust in order to get that out. And what I found is that by creating that level of trust, creating that level of confidentiality, and also sharing some of my own personal stories that demonstrate my vulnerability that creates that safe environment for the person to want to open up and share a bit more. And for me, the, the, and it's probably not the best definition or example of gratification, but for me, the gratification I get is when I get told something that I know no one else has been told. Yeah, that would, that's can be gratifying. It also can be a heavy burden. You know, it, it it can be, um, you know, especially when you sort of, you know, you sometimes the, the depth of the information that you get is such that you you ask yourself, and I needed to know that because of why. <laughs> and, and I even, I think back to times when I was still working in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police managing 140, 160 employees, males, females, all different categories of employees. And it was it was not uncommon for a male or a female employee to walk in, sit down, close the door and just do a dump. And it would be personal stuff and, and work related stuff. And I'm, you know, you're kind of sitting there and I'm going and I needed to know this because why? And then I thought, Doug, take that step back and be thankful for the, the trust that they place in you, that they they know they can come to you and, and they can tell whatever story that they want or tell whatever they want to you and they know it's not gonna go anywhere else. I imagine being working for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and there are some relatively horrific stories that you have heard in private that have stayed in private um, because they needed that expertise and they needed to be able to get that off their chest in an environment that they might not get anywhere else. True. And when I think back to that time frame when I was still in in the police force, there was still a, a gap. There was a gap missing of the support structure. So if I went on a call and let's say it was uh, somebody took their life shot themselves and I'm having to process all this stuff and I end up having to transport the the body out 
eight, eight hours in a vehicle in the middle of 40 below weather and, and going through that where I, you know, I get, get back to my uh, place where I'm stationed, where I'm living, and I've got no one that I can actually reasonably turn to and say, you know, I need somebody to talk to because they're just, and it was something that nobody seemed to think much of. And I don't think organizationally that we were in a place where that sort of thing was even entertained or even offered as a employee service that, you know, we need to help our uh, police officers decompress after, you know, after a uh, trauma laden event that's taken place, we need to help them be able to work their way through that. And that never happened. They're getting better at that now, it seems. Yes. Uh, than than they used to, because they used to be like suck it up, and it's just not a, that big of a deal. But it always is. <clears throat> and they excuse me, and and um, I know I was when I was a bus driver for a long time. If somebody got into an accident, or there was a fight on the bus, or there was a shooting on the bus, heaven forbid, that there was an outlet for us to go talk to somebody. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they were the right person to go talk to. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Because that's what they're used to doing, but they don't necessarily get into the, 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 the real feeling of what you're feeling. And it ta- you have to have been there, I would su- suspect. Uh, so I imagine that you've been in some of those places. And I think, you know, that as long as you don't say, well, I, you know, I remember a time when I did this you know, that, that really doesn't apply in this situation. It's, uh, I'd like to understand how you feel after what you've just witnessed. It, it's important to me to be able to understand how, what you're feeling and what you're thinking at this particular time point and, and kind of use that as the bridge to get the conversation started and, and get it going. But, um, having it's like mentoring i i've always people say well you need to have industry specific experience to be a a mentor in that particular industry and i'm going no you don't you just need to know the questions to ask to get the conversation and and the discussion going because you got to remember the definition of mentoring is a two-way trusted relationship and so it's you know you've you've got to you've got to get down that path in order to be able to do it. And I can do that um, without industry specific experience. Like I've worked with the health sector, I've worked with manufacturing organizations, I've worked with uh, educational organizations, I've worked with, I forget, we did a count, I forget how many it was, five, no, it was a couple hundred different genres that I was actually mentoring in or had mentored in. That's that's really interesting because what you're doing is you're able to help people in a broad range of things that are involving in their life because it transcends just business or just personal life. A lot of times they're intertwined and, and they're working through all of that and you can help them with that. But it takes experience to be able to do that, doesn't it? It does, and you've actually touched on a real good point is the aspect of the personal and professional growth part. And that that I, I have found that 
if you come to me and say, I want you to mentor me and I'm all focused on wanting to develop myself or develop my career because I want to, you know, today I'm a, I'm a team lead, tomorrow I want to be a director and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to focus on your personal side of things first. So I'm going to find out, you know, whereabouts are we with uh, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth, self-doubt, all, all of those things because we need to kind of get your house in order with those before we actually start to move forward to deal with anything career development wise, because you know, what's going to happen is that those things, self-esteem, especially if somebody's struggling with their self-esteem, that becomes a road roadblock or a barrier to moving forward with trying to help you get your career kick-started. I can, I can see how that could play into it. It's like if you were, if you wanted to go into management, as an example, but you had a problem with self-esteem and you didn't think that you were good enough and you didn't think you could stand up to other people and then you would not make a very good supervisor. No, no, you wouldn't. And I actually, you know, you can take that in, in an even more deeper uh, pool where you take a look at, the aspect of communication skills and you can take an existing uh, manager or supervisor who can't communicate well, and that can have an impact as well. So it's a matter of let's identify that. And there has to be some self-identification that has to take place as well, but let's identify that. And then let's start to work our way through that. And sometimes I know I have this service I call mentoring versus termination where you're going to terminate somebody Well, bring me in and let me spend five uh, one hour sessions. And in most cases, with the exception, I think of one, um, I've been able to turn that person's behavior around to make to get them back where they're that engaged, productive employee that that you hired. And you've saved yourself the hassle of going through and having to hire somebody new, put them through training lost productivity, all of those things, because I think it's, what do they say, about 2.2 times your annual salary is what it costs every time they have to train a new employee. It's been my experience that you very rarely uh, are able to hire. The next hire that you make is going to be better than the hire that you lost or the individual that you lost. And sometimes it takes as many as two, three, four, or five people that you need to run through before you get the desired result. And that can be very expensive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, and I, I see the, I know of a couple of organizations that have got a fairly high turnover rate. And I, I just, I feel bad for the people that are working there because it's a revolving door and they just, they don't know, you know, who's going to be going out the door next and who's coming in and are they going to be a good fit? And there's all those questions that, you know, they're asking themselves and they just, they, they want to be able to work in a place where there's some consistency and it's, you know, things aren't changing all the, all the time employee wise because it, it is disruptive. Well, you know, I was in the restaurant business for a long time. And what I found was that when you had high turnover, it affected 
your entire business. It affected your customer base. It affected the other employees because they're constantly having to retrain and they can't just go and enjoy their, their customers. They have to be retraining people and stuff. And it, it causes your business to not thrive because nobody is as good or because it takes time to get good at a particular function that you're doing. And if you don't take that time or you're continuing to tr turn that over, you never get there. And so it's bad for the business. Why isn't it that some businesses don't recognize that? I don't know. It, it's the same sort of thing as you were describing the situation. I'm thinking, oh, plug a mentor, plug a mentor in there, plug a mentor in there, right? And and you just, you don't see organizations, you know, taking that step back and saying, well, things aren't working. What can we do to change that? And then someone saying, well, let's try this mentoring thing and see what will come from that. And if you go about it the correct way and put the right pieces to the puzzle into place, it's going to make a difference. It will. It, 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 by, na by its nature, it has to. Because one of the issues, well, and I know that you know this, but uh, when you talk to employees about why they left a company, lack of money is like six or seven. It's like, number one is like camaraderie, being part of the team, feeling successful, feeling that you can, so that you, you like going to work rather than dread going to work. And, and if a lot of people don't get that, and that's why a mentor, and a mentor can help a boss who doesn't see who's very short sighted. It can help them take a little bit longer of a view. Don't you think? Yeah, most definitely. And, and the other aspect of actually one additional thing that you can add to the list of why people leave organizations is because of a lack of good leadership. And that's where, you know, making that decision to say, we need to do something more than what we're doing today because people are leaving as fast as we hire. So let's maybe say put in a, as part of their new employee coming in, we have an onboarding process. And part of that is we assign them a mentor. That makes that makes a world of of sense, and and then they you can help train the manager. Because one of the things that I've always noticed is that um, have you ever noticed that when guys get promoted or gals get promoted into a new position, it's because they either were a really good salesperson at your, and when they were a salesperson, or they were a really good secretary or whatever it was. That doesn't translate necessarily into being a kind, compassionate, effective boss. And that's yeah. why it would be really helpful to get them to see, because there are lots of blind spots, and it would yeah. be great for them to be able to see the blind spots. Yeah, most most definitely. And, and they used to say at times in the police force, they used to say that the only way that people got promoted was they either A, got in, into trouble, and so they promoted them, or, or, or B, they decided that they needed to get them out of this particular area, so they promoted them into a new area, and hopefully then that just shifted the problem from one place to another, and it didn't work. It never works. It, it never works. So, so if, uh, if uh, Doug, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and they want you to work for them or work with them or their company, because you also do a lot of work with companies and stuff. How do they get a hold of you? What do they do? 
Well, t typically they can reach out to me so they can reach out through the website. So www.talentc.ca. Uh, that's, and there's a contact, contact me button on, on the website that you can click on and it'll send me a message. Uh, you can check out LinkedIn, uh, just do a search on Doug Lawrence and it'll uh, pop my name up and you can direct message me through, through LinkedIn if you want to go that way. And the easiest way, and I have no issues with us uh, doing this, is for um, just send me an email. And my email is doug.lawrence, that's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, at talent C, so the word talent, letter C on the end, dot C-A. And I'll, I'll get back to you as, as quickly as I can. Has there been anybody that has gone through that and you talk to them and and uh, you end up saying, well, you know, I would love to be able to help you, but I don't think I can. Uh, has that conversation ever happened or have you been able to pretty much help everybody? Once. Ah, and just I won't go, don't want you to go into details, but it must have been something that you just felt like you, they weren't going to be able to get through. But, you know, it was it was more mental health related and and it, and it they needed to, um, through their employee program, they needed to, to get in to see a counselor or a psychiatrist or they needed professional help. And I just said, you know, I, I'm here for you. I'll do whatever I possibly can, but you need to see, you need to see professional help and you need to see it quickly. Because there are, I, I have a, a relative that, has been diagnosed, but doesn't want to take the medication. Yeah. And if and she can't get better, it's it's catch twenty two. If she can't, she's been diagnosed, and but she can't get better without taking the medication. But she won't take the medication, so she can't get better. Um. So that that makes it really hard, doesn't it? It it, it does. But I, you know, I, it's not a it's not an uncommon position for people to take. Cause I hear that quite often. I was working with a young lady who had bipolar was diagnosed bipolar and absolutely refused to take the medication because the side effects from her perspective, the side effects were worse than just dealing with the illness. And, you know, I respected that and, and I did what I could to, to you know, to help her work through, um, her, her bipolar rants, as I used to call them, where she would just unload for 45 minutes to an hour. And that's, that was what, what was needed was she just needed to vent to somebody who stayed quiet and was non-judgmental. And she said, I don't need pills. I got you. Why would I need pills? <laughs> you must have the patience of a saint. <laughs> Well, some days, yes. <laughs> what? So you're, you know, Doug, you're a human being. And yeah. we all have got days. We all have got good days and bad days. But what do you do? Who do you go to to vent? Mm, good question. Um, hmm. I, you know, actually, I, I do have, I have probably two or three people that I can, I can go to and, and the, for me, it's a matter of I just need to get this off my chest. So don't don't ask me questions. Just listen. And then I would go 
20 minutes later, I would say, thank you very much. I feel really good now and we'll talk again. And that's, that's what I need. That is a nice place to go when you need somebody to, because, you know, most of us, if you, if you go to a family or friends and stuff, a lot of us are, are judgmental and a lot of us will say things that we, um, we probably shouldn't say, but we think we're doing the right thing, but we're really not, which is why it's important for someone like you to know the right things to say and what not to say more so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's extremely important and you're absolutely right on the money when it comes to, I'm in a lot of cases, I am better off with taking, going to one of my inner circle people and saying, I just need somebody to talk to because there's, you know, this and this has happened and, and I, and I just need to kind of vent and get it off my chest. And I know that if I go try to go to my family for that, they're busy, they don't have time. And I don't know that they're comfortable and, you know, enough to be able to say, okay, come, you know, come on, Doug, let's just sit down and we'll talk about it over here and go through it that way. I, I just I get a sense that they're not they're not in a place where they can do that for me. So I rely on people that are part of my inner circle and kind of keep the stuff out of the family circle. Well, you know, and a lot of us are taught from the very early ages that you you need to just, you know, buck up, just get through it. You can, you can just get through it and you, you can be a tough guy and, and don't cry and don't have any emotions, just anger. You can show if you're a man, but if all the other ones, you've got to keep hidden and just buck it up. Well, I can honestly say, I think I've disproved that. <laughs> Good. You know, I, I've had situations where with grief, with the loss of my wife, where I've had to go, grocery shopping on my own and I had to pick up birthday anniversary cards or whatever. And I can still remember pushing the card up by the uh, greeting card area and starting to pull out cards. And as I pulled them out, I could feel the tears running down my cheeks and I actually got very emotional and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder to sort of see who's watching. And there was people there and they just ignored Nobody turned and said, you know, can I help you? Is there something wrong? They just, they went about their own business. And it's probably was a better thing, I guess, you know, when you think about it. Oh, I don't know. It would be, it would have been nice to have, if somebody just said, I, I yeah, I, as a matter of fact, we got a young lady that um, I interviewed the other day. And what she does to help people is she's got these, these polished stones. Oh. And the polished stones have got the uh, inscription hope on them. And if she runs into somebody who she feels like they just need a little bit of hope, she'll just walk up to them and say, here, I want you to have this. Nice. Doesn't engage with them, doesn't do anything other than, here, I want you to have this. And it's just a little bit of hope. Um, I think that's a really cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, I do too. I really like that. I really like that. It's 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 amazing what we can learn from each other yeah. if we if we take the time. And well, 
Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, and especially in light of all the different things that, you know, we're dealing with, you know, PTS and the, the aspect of grief and that, and I'm, you know, I'm absolutely blown away by the number of people that are impacted on a daily basis by grief. It's, it's just, it's so, yeah. You know, you take a look at the number of people that are, that are, dying or passing away from cancer, which is the leading cause of death in the world today. And you kind of go like, how, how do we, how do we even get past that? How do we, you know, how, what do we, what do we need to do to make that better? And I still haven't found the answer for that one. It's, it's, it's tough. I have a friend of mine that her mom and dad passed away 20 years ago. And she's still affected negatively by grief. Um, and it's not something that, and she's tried, you know, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Rice wrote the book, uh, um, uh, The Five Stages of Grief, and, and stuff, and shows she read that, and that helped a little bit, but not really. Um, it's a very individual thing, this grief, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Um, and And it's interesting because I... I was searching, looking for one of my colleagues to write the foreword in my next book, and I shipped off the, the information and stuff. And what she had come back with was that this was a, a, a caused her to do a lot of reflection about those around her, and and it was a heart wrenching uh, story. Where because in the book I share my dealing with grief and stuff like that. And, and she said that it was a very heart wrenching experience to have to read that and, and then be able to write the forward for the book. It's hard. Yeah. Especially. And by the way, I want to, um, I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. Thank you. And I can't imagine losing, um, a spouse. That would be, it, that and the child would be the two worst things. You know, I I thought, I thought, well, I've done this. My 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 mom passed away in in uh, two thousand and seven, and it that was tough for me because I had such a close relationship with her. But it 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 doesn't compare whatsoever to losing my wife Deborah. At you know, it just it doesn't compare. No, no. Well, especially you were going to grow old with your wife. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> I jokingly at times will say that, you know, we renewed our vows at 30 years and we signed an agreement to be together for another 30. And one of us decided that that wasn't or didn't have a say, I guess. And the good Lord decided that, uh, Oh, no, I think it's time. I need her someplace else. Well, and I, I, and it may be hard to hear, but I also submit that that in the work that you're doing, um, it actually, it 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 certainly gave you a moment of uh, a bit of empathy for people, other people that are going through that as well. Yeah, most most definitely, there was. There was a lot of lived experiences that came out of her passing, a lot. 
Yeah, and uh, the, the sad thing is about that is that we all are going to face that, either somebody that we know or love. I mean, I lost my best friend from high school two years ago, my brother two years ago, my mom last year. It's like when you get older, that stuff just starts happening all over the place. Well, we, when I was growing up, I grew up on a farm, and we used to say that the only time we got to meet some of the relatives and that was either at a wedding or at a funeral. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Before my mom passed, one of the things that they did was like on a weekly basis, somebody had, had gone. So they went to somebody's funeral like once every week or once every other week and, and that kind of stuff. But it's how you choose to deal with it and, and, and the frame of mind, which, which you take from it, um, yeah. you know, that, that really matters um, and how you deal with it. Um, yeah. You know, because uh, you know we all we all miss people that uh, the folks that we love that have passed, but um, I tend to believe that they still are around. Um, maybe that's my own self delusion to to make it a little bit better, but you know I don't know. No, I I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. And I just had a, a friend who she was actually Deborah's girlfriend, and she has this firm belief that. And I I agree with her 100% is that if Deborah's around, she will leave a, a bird's feather. And so here the other day, she actually found or saw there was a bird's feather that was there. And she, uh, I think she said her daughter had, had uh, thrown it in the garbage. And so she said, you can't do that. And they ended up, they, re they retrieved it because... Deborah left that for us. So it was, it was very touching for me that, you know, that they, they would do that. So, but yeah, it's, I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, the, they're with us all the time. And they're watching over us and they're taking care of us. And that's, you know, and that's, that is, this life is hard enough. If you, if you don't believe that there is, something later that's that's better or if you don't you know I, i've never understood that but it's but people that we love are with us for a long time and i've i've been fortunate that uh, i feel that i feel them around me um and i know you do too yeah yeah definitely but that also helps you become a tremendous mentor yes that's it definitely helps a lot and by the way, you won, I was looking at your homepage, you won an award or you are, um, what do they call you? So are you talking about the, the book? Uh, no, I'm talking about the, uh, let's see, where are you here? The a certified competent journey mentor. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a mentor certification, um, so it's a certificate of competence journey mentor. And the idea behind the, the, the certification was number one, to help people navigate through the certification process. And then number two was to, to be able to work with people that are dealing with mental health challenges. So one of the things that you do is you work with other people who want to be mentors to teach them how to be a mentor. Correct. Do you ever come across somebody that you say, you know, you're just not cut out to do this. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that must that must be a hard conversation to have. Um, 
Not not totally because what, to go through the certification process, especially at the competence and the journey mentor level, you need to have a mentoring log that captures the amount of time and all that sort of stuff that you've you've done prior to having the conversation with me. And so I've had a lot of people that have have said, I, I want to go through the process. And so we start them going and I said, okay, I need to see your log. And they give me a log that's got seven hours. And so I spin them around and send them back out the door and, and say, you know, you need probably 20 to 30 is a good number. Um, 40 really makes me happy, but 20 to 30 is a good number. And here's some things to think about that you need to include on that because you're going to be interviewed by a panel that's going to verify that you that you uh, have the lived experience that you say that you do and that you this is where you've used it. So it's, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a real complete program then. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, if somebody would like to do that, they can follow, follow it and do the same way by going to talent, which is T-A-L-E-N-T-C dot C-A. Correct. And uh, Doug is right there. He's, his picture is right on the front. You can call him. There's a big thing that says, call Doug Lawrence. And that you can you can do that. It's, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you, sir. And I love the work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And it's I uh, I enjoy the conversations that we have. Guys, they're really good, and thank you for the for that. But the, you you are very good at what you do, and uh, you know I got a lot of questions, and so it works out well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Hopefully, I was able to answer them. You did for the most part, absolutely. Yeah. But and you've also you've also taught me that it, that it takes a very special individual to become a mentor, because not everybody can do it. If, if you're thinking about yourself when somebody else is talking to you, you're not going to be a great mentor because you're not absorbing what they're telling you. Is that right? That's correct. Absolutely on. Bang on. So it's, it is, it's a skill. It's an important skill. Um, I wish everybody had it, but they don't. And that's why they need to come see you. And I would welcome them with open arms. So before we go, I want uh, to give you the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know about virtually anything, because you're pretty versed on a lot of stuff. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I would, I'll use this opportunity to promote my book, You Are Not Alone, which is uh, available through Amazon, and it is a Amazon number one bestseller. And so I'm working on my third book now, but I should probably back up the, a little bit is that You Are Not Alone is also uh, a finalist in the Global Book Awards. And so I find out middle of November if I am a finalist or if I am uh, a, actually a winner in the, in the category that I submitted for. So... I'm pretty excited about that because that that's uh, that's recognition that you know from an author perspective just tells me I'm going in the right direction. And you're number one uh, bestseller on Amazon. You're not alone. Mental health uh, mentors take the journey with you. That that is. I'm I'm sorry we didn't bring up that a little bit sooner. What what caused you to write the book? 
that was actually so i i've written the gift of mentoring was my first book that i wrote and that came from a number of uh, my colleagues my inner circle saying you've written all these blog articles you need to pull them all together and make it into a book and so i did that you are not alone is a similar story where people said you're mentoring people that are dealing with mental health challenges you need to write a book that talks about how mentoring can be part of the support structure for for mental health you need to write that book and you need to tell your story because it's a powerful story you know i honestly believe that um people believing that they are alone and that no one would understand is probably one of our biggest obstacles to uh changing the world yeah i would agree and i'm glad that you're doing what you're doing and you've written the book you are not alone go to amazon they got it right there and you can and you can order it the author of course is doug lawrence and uh, doug i'd like to thank you again for being with us today thank you very much for having me your information is going to help somebody and i hope if somebody feels the need if they really need somebody to talk to give you a call yeah so if you if you will wait right there sir i will be right back hey thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end please give us a like and subscribe to this channel this has been a production of positivetalkradio.net please visit our website oddly named positivetalkradio.net for more details about us and our mission which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.